Hey there. Welcome to Culture by Culture, a multidimensional exploration of Black and Asian pop cultural ties. I'm your female lead, Delia. Today, I'm joined by the host of Black Girl Soul, Sangre, and something else. Hi, y'all. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have y'all. Excited to be here. Excited to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Would you like to introduce yourselves? You can tell us your names, what y'all are into. I am something else from Black Girl Soul, one half of the host group. I'm so great. The other half of Black Girl Soul. Aside from that as well, we are a podcast that talks about dramas and we blog and podcast about them. The varying dramas in Korean, Thai, Japanese, Chinese, we watch them all. As well as I've become a new K-pop fan. And so like my journey into K-pop has <laughs> been quite interesting. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a whole story by itself. I like music, but when I say she has taken it to another level, I'm like, I'm watching and cheering her on, but it also tickles me because she wasn't like this when she was a teenager. I remember her like, I remember her as a teenager. I mean, she liked groups, but... I don't remember her geeking out. <laughs> Look, K-pop will do it to you. It is. It's deep. The river runs real deep. <laughs> it does. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how many of my listeners have listened to your podcast, but if y'all go check out their socials, I feel like when I look at y'all's socials, y'all are prolific. I do not know how y'all watch as much dramas as y'all do. Like my watch list is so long and I stay watching them. I stay consistent, but y'all, y'all be turning them out. That's song, Ray, because she doesn't <laughs> even watch American television anymore. I still watch like a couple of shows. I try to keep up, but I'm in a weird lull right now because I don't know what's going on with the season or the shows. So I'm almost reaching back in time to like catch maybe episodes I never saw, but or, or a, season, a series that I never saw. But Sung Ray is like, what, 15 shows a week? Like, what is it, chick? <laughs> it is not that bad. But I am going to say for myself, this is how when she made the joke about me not watching American TV, I was doing, I can't remember what I was watching. It had to probably be YouTube for the commercials to pop up. Yeah, the commercials were not in English. And I was like, really? You all don't think I'm an American? Like, what is this? Why am I getting these commercials? I can't even buy this stuff. It made me laugh. I was like, okay, the algorithm doesn't realize I'm an American. But moving on. Yes, I pretty much do not watch any American television aside from the news in the morning. Um, I do variety shows. I do dramas and Again, my K-pop stuff, which has begun taking over. But I'm also agreeing with something else that right now, it is a weird place for dramas because I haven't found any that have drawn me in. So I have been like digging into the vaults and finding old dramas to watch that I've heard about. Old classics, people might say, oh, you've never seen this? You should check that out. So yeah, I don't know how I do it. I just, that's, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have also been kind of in a lull. I've been just coming out of it, which is terrible timing, starting a podcast while you're also trying to binge K-dramas. I don't recommend. <laughs> but yeah, I was in a lull for a while. I think that happens for drama fans or maybe not even just drama fans. I'm sure that anime fans, video game fans, they all have lulls that they go through. And like for a little bit, it got me to thinking, am I, am I a K-drama fan? Do I have to rethink the whole podcast? Like what is going on with me? <laughs> But yeah, no, I've been coming out of it. So that's been real, real nice. So you said y'all have known each other for a long time since high school. So my question is, how long have y'all been drama fans? 
For me, it's been since 2008. Something else is who introduced me. I was having a situation in my life and she, it was a great distraction. So when she introduced them to me, then yeah, I just picked them up and I would find the oddest places to catch them. Like at that time, they had just started doing those boxes where you had to have to watch TV if you didn't want to have cable. Right, right, right. Right. And I started finding dramas on there with English subs. So yeah, it, it really, worked. I know, right? <laughs> Well, in the early years, you couldn't really depend on the early years. Like, oh, back in the day. No. (laughs) But I started watching a little bit before then, maybe 2007 or something like that. And there was this channel called AZN Television. I've been watching foreign films forever because my father was Nigerian. And so I was already like a bicultural kid, if you'd say, (laughs) not Mm -hmm. biracial, bicultural (laughs) kid. And so I already knew to kind of have a respect and a sensitivity to other cultures. And so I wasn't afraid of like accents. I wasn't afraid of subtitles in order to understand what someone was saying. It was more important for me to like see and understand their experience or get some kind of gauge of their culture and the people and how they thought. So I was already open to it. And I was just watching foreign films on Netflix. And then all of a sudden I'm flipping through channels one day and I'm like, there's an Asian television. And I wasn't even like particularly interested in East Asian. I mean, I was just like, okay, you're Asian, respect, peace out. Like I didn't care, (laughs) but the stories got me. That's what drew me in. And typically that's what I hear. Like the stories are addictive. And even anime, like did I read a comic book here and there? Yeah, but I wasn't like super into comic books. I watched anime only because shows like Voltron existed. Mm-hmm. And someone told me, oh, technically that's anime somehow. I was like, oh, for real? Okay, I like that. So it was like by accident. Now I'm open to anime a little bit more, but I'm not like a diehard, right? I'm one of those spies versus family fans. Mm-hmm. I'm that kind of anime watcher, if that even counts. Oh, for sure it counts. You Well, no, some people are Dragon Ball well, hard. Listen, I do not even claim in the street because they are <laughs> hardcore. They are more hardcore than the K-drama. Like K-drama, you expect people to be new. And if they say something like, oh, okay, my first drama was on Netflix. I'm not going to look down on them because Asian television is gone. Like it showed mm-hmm. up as a channel. It existed for maybe a couple of years and it disappeared. If you... If maybe you were very young or something like that, you went, oh, okay, I remember Drama Fever. It existed for a while. It disappeared. Listen, don't cry. Don't cry any tears. No. (laughs) So you get used to these outlets existing and disappearing. That's what Mm -hmm. we got used to. So by the time we got Vicky, I was jaded. I was like, you know, mad at the streets. I was like, you all are not (laughs) consistent for me. I think that I have so much respect for people in this space, which is also partly why I was so excited to talk to y'all who have been drama watchers for so long because it was rough out here. I remember how I originally got into dramas was 2019. So I'm very new to the space and it was Netflix. I thought I was watching a foreign film and then they were like, next episode. And I Mm. was like, Pardon? There's more? (laughs) Oh, okay. But before that, I remember it had to be like 2010. I had a friend who was really into K-dramas and she was really pushing me to watch them. She's like, you'd like them. But it was rough in the streets. I was like, I'm not going to try and get into this because I've always been into anime. So I knew 
what it was like to have access to things. In K-dramas, you just didn't have the access like that back then. And I was not trying to struggle like that. So when I hear people who got into it early, I'm always like, dang, that's wild. Yes. To the point where this chick used to get DVDs mailed to her. And would bring them by and we would watch the DVDs. (laughs) That is the old school anime days. Originally, anime in like the 80s, they had fans who would translate it, sub it, and then you could order them and they would mail DVDs. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That that's much respect. Right. Right. That's a total fan service. Exactly. It couldn't be me. Especially <laughs> now, now that we live in the streaming age, you can't go back. Mm. No, I everything's that's accessible. how come I am so frustrated with doggone Disney Plus. I like I'm mad all over again. Oh, Please, let's get into it. Oh boy. <laughs> because there's a drama I want to watch. I can't watch because guess who has it and guess where they're only releasing it. And I'm going, why are we playing this game? It's 2023. That is what I'm saying. That I want it. What was it? Soundtrack 101, I think, or something like that with Park Young. Soundtrack number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. I, he's one of my favorites. I was oh, I so right. desperate to watch it. And oh, I, it I took like broke. a year. Oh, I was so mad. I'm still mad about it. Like, I've seen it now, but I'm still mad about it. <laughs> yeah, I went rogue and just went on over to Drama Cool, got a VPN because I was mm. like, screw this. I want to see this. I want to see. It was like two other ones at the time. I'm, I'm watching them. Sorry. <laughs> That's what you got to do sometimes. Disney plays too many games. And honestly, they've got enough money. They don't need it from me. Really? I don't understand. I truly don't understand. Because right now, Family is out. I think it's called Family. That is a drama I was highly looking forward to. The two of them were in a drama before. I was looking forward to this. I was excited. Wait and as minute. it kept coming, no one had any, where's it going to be? Where's it going to be? And oh, it said Disney Plus. They said they were worldwide streaming. And I'm like, y'all, I don't know about this. It sounds like a game. Wait. We got to, it released on Friday. No, there's there's nowhere for us to watch. Are you serious? I um, didn't no know ma'am. it was out. Listen, it's, I was, yes. listen, it took me a while to get to the Korean version of Faded to Love You, but I did. And when Faded I Faded to Love You. Right. And when I fell in love with Faded to Love You, I was like, if I ever see them, it's a couple again. And you're yes. telling me I can't watch it? Yeah, you Disney's playing what? big games again. But you know, like, I feel Sung Ray on what she's talking about regarding Disney. But for me, it's more about Japanese dramas are not delivering as far as subtitles. If you don't see them on Viki, and I guess a sketch site, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So that's my beef. And I'm going to agree with you 110% right now because I am a new fan of NCT. Yuta is a Japanese <laughs> member. He's in a drama, okay? And so I'm like, oh yeah, I want to find the drama. A I'm Japanese drama? Yes, yes. It's Cool Doji Dangshi. I think it's like Be Cool Guys or something like that is the American mm-hmm. translation. But any which way, I'm in these streets trying to figure out how I'm going to watch this drama. How I'm going to watch the drama. And yeah, no, it took a fan going, check this site out. Okay, I click it and... There it is with English subtitles, no problem. But then episode two, I'm like, well, where's episode two? How come on this site, this same site, I cannot find episode two? I'm digging around. Right. I was about to say, I'm surprised that in citizens didn't get you together because like they, they have. They K-pop fans, they be passing around drive links, Dropbox, <laughs> you name it. They will find a way. <laughs> Respect. That's one of the reasons why we wanted to go on and just have podcasts instead of just talking among ourselves or trying to indoctrinate our friends. Because we, yeah, that's a nice way of saying we were trying to get them hooked. Anyway, but 
was because we were looking for community because we were looking for other people who were watching what we were watching, wanted to talk about the same shows we're talking about. As passionate. (laughs) Right. When we were confused, like, what does this mean culturally? Oh, what Mm -hmm. are they really saying? What is the subtext that we could reach out and ask that question? And there would be others who would like reach back with answers. It's been very welcoming. Truly it has. What has been your experience? That's what I was going to actually ask y'all next, what that's been like. I have struggled to find community in K-drama. Not like there are friends I have IRL who watch them to different levels, but like the broader community, it's been hard. It feels like K-dramas are so popular and yet still kind of niche. Mm -hmm. I know, right? Like once you get in, it's like, oh, wow, look at all these people here. But getting in is the hard part. I started just like a side Twitter to try and like engage with people. And I will say people were very friendly over there. Again, I didn't engage with that many people. It's a very small account. You can go follow it if y'all want at Drama Digest, I think Drama underscore Digest, something like that. People are very friendly over there. And it just feels like a fandom where everybody's there to have a good time. I will say though, again, I'm coming to K-dramas more recently than say like y'all or other OGs who were out here in the streets just like buying DVDs. So I do think about the representation of it all and seeing some of the fandom, how they react to certain things in dramas is difficult. I don't. It's the same in Mm K-pop, like wanting to defend your faves, even though your faves are doing something wrong. Like we got to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So that part's been hard, I think. What's y'all's experience been like, you know, being Black women in the, I guess, drama fandom space? Especially back then. I wonder, was it different back in the beginning? Has it changed? Now, see, back then, because that's what I'm about to speak on for me. Back when we first started, it was just me and her. We we didn't mm-hmm. really delve off into social media to start talking. I think the pandemic is really what put us in a space where we were able to, oh, did you see this account? They're talking about K-dramas. Did you see this account? They're talking about K-dramas. And then we sat down and thought, hey, well, why don't we, this way we can go and build community, meet some people, find other folks who are like us, who are interested in dramas. And we did, like once we stepped out there and said, hey, here's who we are and what we're trying to do. We found other people who were willing to come back and go, oh, I'm over here. I've been watching dramas for years too. And, you know, or I just started watching dramas or whatever. And we were able to community meet that way but in the beginning no truly it was just us and like she said the indoctrination of folks who sometimes willingly came and sometimes kicking and screaming came Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like it's just a representation of just regular life because there are those friends and those people who anything can happen and they are going to find a way to make an excuse or excuse Mm -hmm. behaviors that should not be in the same applies in this with k-drama and k-pop where there are things that are happening, you're like, mm, no, that's wrong. I don't care what you say at the end of the day. That's out of order. And it's okay to say something's out of order and then keep moving from that. Now, are they going to grow from this or are we going to keep acting like it's all right and keep repeating the same wrongs? So mm-hmm. that space has been difficult. So we had a whole podcast about a situation from a drama that we found offensive. We spoke about it being offensive. And, oh, the kickback, people blocked us. Oh, it was hilarious. And I'm thinking, goodbye. Because at the end of the day, if this sets you off to that degree, you know, you weren't meant to be part of this anyway. We're here saying... This is our experience. This is how we feel. And yes, I hear what you're telling us about them being homogenous. But at the end of the day, at this point, we can't keep making that be the excuse because there's plenty of other people over there. There are lots of folks traveling, exploring and out there making themselves known and sharing their experiences. So no, that can't keep being our reasoning. It's harder, I feel like, to deal with K-drama and K-pop stands specifically because they're just so passionate, because the industry does, you know, 
uh, encourage kind of like that parasocial relationship versus, say, anime or Lord of the Rings or, you know, something that it doesn't have quite that same fervor, I would say. Mm. Like, if I were to call out something in a Marvel movie, a lot of people are going to agree with me and the people who don't agree with me. I mean, the online space is the online space. There's going to be disagreements, but it's not that serious. People don't take it personal. But I feel like it's much harder in these spaces because they want to excuse their faves so badly because they feel like they have this personal relationship with their fave. That's the excuse that always comes up. Like, but they're a homogenous country. They don't know better. First of all, I find that to be pretty like infantilizing. They're exactly. adults. Exactly. They know what they're doing and they've made choices. And second of all, there is a line, I think, between asking people to be better in a different culture to be, especially if they're trying to reach out across their culture lines, like something else was saying, like that's very purposeful on the government's part. So yes, I think it's fine to ask them to be better. But there is a fine line between that and cultural imperialism where, you know, we're like Western ideals are the ideals and the only ones that matter. So I do think there is that line. But the line isn't saying, hey, that portrayal of that character on Backstreet Rookie sucked. So let's not do that. Exactly. (laughs) Right. And, you know, one of the things we've learned as we've kind of jumped into community is that we get all kinds of information back. And so the great thing about Clubhouse is that it did tap us into a whole group of folks And some of them were academics who wanted to talk about these Mm. issues. And so we learned during a talk, this guy, um, I think he was like a South Korean, either sociologist, he was some kind of doctor, but he'd written a book. I was buying groceries listening to them talk. But basically he said this whole excuse about being homogeneous is false because they had a history of anti-Blackness well before now, right? This sure, is yeah. Africans and people of color and Black people were not a new concept for them. And he went back and pulled the newspaper clippings and the history that basically said at different times, hey, we may be down right now, like in, in one of their clippings, but at least we're not Black. At least we're not mm. African. And that wasn't everyone, of course, but like they had a concept of Africa and Africans and then not wanting to be that. Mm-hmm. And this idea that they were so disassociated with the rest of the world that they didn't know, like mm-hmm. they've always had that history of the other. Not even that it has to always be anti-Black, but the other. And I'm like, if you're just over on your lonesome and you don't know any better, I could let that go. But you're trying to make money off of us. You're reaching out into the world saying, hey, can I have a dollar? So I'm like, can I have some reciprocity? Can I have some understanding? You don't have to get everything. You don't have to know our slang. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. crazy because they may know our slang before they understand our point of view. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. can you just not do something as bad as Backstreet Rookie? Like... We have low standards. (laughs) I'm at that point. Don't even mention Black folks. Yes, is a lot of K-pop based on Black Mm -hmm. R&B? Yeah. Period. Right. (laughs) But let's ignore that because you all are too. Just do your thing. (laughs) Don't mention us. (laughs) That's where I come from. I mean, someone may want to see Black representation more. You know, a J. Cole situation. Because I saw that J. Cole and whomever the dude was, I don't even know who he was. A BTS member. But let me just say, that was a cool video. I like that video. I was happy to see J. Cole. I was about to say, Sierra just did one with Jackson Wayne. The song released, I think, three or four days ago. Not too long. Song is nice. The song is very, very nice. But again, like, I'm not pressed about, I like it. 
And I think that there are artists who are open to being mindful of the concept that emulating, liking a sound, things like that does not mean me trying to take it on and putting it on as a costume, because that's where I think my issue comes in. I'm not a costume. How I dress, what I look like, my hair, my sound, those are not costumes. So if you're putting a costume on, I have an issue with you. If you are simply appreciating and your appreciation flows into what you do, I'm cool with that. But when you start purposefully having stylists, like I literally watched the old video the other day. And I'm like, somebody bought weave and put that in that man's head. Why? <laughs> Why? What was the point? Or I look at your clothes and I know for a fact the stylist bought those for you because they're giving you this urban and you call it hip hop, but like, eh. Well, okay. So then I'm going to flip on the other side because I'm hypocritical that way. I remember <laughs> pictures of NSYNC where, <laughs> and Backstreet well, I felt Boys, the same way then too. Right. Where they did that kind they're of stuff. not excluded. They did. Right. They did. So it's like, I allow for a learning curve just not so steep that you give us blackface. Continual. Literal And that's blackface. all I'm right. saying is that the problem that I have is that we are talking recent years. We're not talking 10 years ago. We're talking within the past five. That's when I'm saying to you, you're like, the country's not that big. The industry that you all are working in is not that big because people begin to know people. If I work in the field of economics and I'm over here doing this certain job, I begin to know people in my field. The same applies in music. If I'm a stylist who works with musicians, I begin to know other stylists. And so you learn, you should, let me just say that, you should learn there are certain things you shouldn't be doing or suggesting. Plus, you all are in interacting from that whole video there's a video that's on um Vicky what's it called K-pop something where they talk about the history of K-pop and how it became so big and they like went into varying areas did either of you all watch that I did not watch it okay well whatever this show is called I can't think of it right this second but whatever the show is called they had a section where they had talked about how they the K-pop industry so it's not like one company versus another but the industry itself has been pulling people from other countries to come help them you know, give them this worldly sound, which mm -hmm. great. You're pulling people who are authentic. So great. That's fine. You're telling me they're coming over and nobody is stopping to say, hey, yeah, you probably shouldn't say that. Or hey, hey, yeah, you probably shouldn't. Nobody saying anything. We're all just, oh, OK, clapping it up. No. OK, I'm going to be real, real with you. They're sellouts. Oh, yeah. Let me just keep it up. I don't think that. I don't think no. everybody is. I, I don't say every single body is. But even in America, when you look at how stuff hits the airwaves or whatever, and you're like, how did this happen? And it's because you had a whole bunch of people working for a job and they knew it was dirty, but they shut their mouths because they were getting their check. And so they didn't feel comfortable saying this isn't right or like pointing it out. You're like, OK, so three and four levels, this thing went through this video, this newspaper, this anything you know, newspaper article, anything went through and nobody st said, hey, the emperor is wearing no clothing. It's because <laughs> they're getting their checks. And I hate to use the term sellout, like just be hardcore with it, but they're selling out. That's what's happening. I agree that I personally think that that's probably the case for some situations. I just don't think that's all. Delia, what do you think? Because I, <laughs> I wonder your opinion too, because I see you 
flow in in K-pop as well, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. I definitely. Again, I wouldn't say I'm like a super K-pop fan. I try and keep the balance, you know, <laughs> like I try not to lose myself to it. I have lost myself to it a few I'm times, but you got to pull yourself out. Ahead. Yeah, it's give and take. It's really hard to do it in moderation, I will say. My thoughts on the K-pop of it all and I guess representation in K-media in general is that they're reaching out across the globe, right? They want, at least, I'm not going to say the artists so much, but at least the companies mm -hmm. want their foothold in America, in the West. So to me, then you need to do the work in making sure your artists, your product, all of it is coming from a globalized mindset. Like your country can be homogenous. And I do also take issue with that argument because there are multicultural people they don't get accounted for and they don't get resources exactly. like they need in places mm. like Korea but there are black people there are Indian people like mm -hmm. there are people of other races in Korea even if like they're a small percentage they are still there mm -hmm. I think it's incumbent upon the companies to step up and do that and so I feel like as fans I think it makes sense to ask for it I think when it comes to individuals so you're talking about like the artists and stuff and this is not me just being a stand like protect the babies like they can <laughs> learn they're adults and they should but. learn, but I don't think we need to approach them with like nah. the vitriol because I do think on the individual level, there is a lot of ignorance. I can have sympathy for ignorance because like we all have not always known what we knew, exactly. you know? So I think there needs to be space for individuals to learn. But when it comes to the companies, yeah, no, F them. They need to do better. They have the resources. They have the tools. They've been interacting on an international level for a long time. There's really no excuses as far as that's concerned. As far as, I don't know if I would call it selling out as much, but I do think that these are big opportunities, right? For yeah. artists mm -hmm. in America, like there, there's good pay. You get a really supportive fan base, like off jump, because you know K-pop fans, anybody who exactly. supports their faves, they're also gonna support. So I can understand it because it's a whole new market. It's really accessible. And honestly, what are you, the one American writer, going to say to the big behemoth right. like SM or High Media? Like, you're, it's not going to go far. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Babyface is making music somewhere, but he's not. I would love to, to know. I've actually had that thought. I'm like, you know, Babyface got to be in K-pop. Like, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Quietly writing. Yes. Writing yeah. and producing. That would be interesting. I mean, I would listen to that stuff. Man. Well, I mean, again, as we've expressed, they are pulling a lot of their sounds from 90s music. Yeah, there there was a clip that went viral of, I can't, I think it might have been New Jeans. I might be wrong. But they were talking about how the music that they like is like 90s R&B, like girl groups. Like they were talking about TLC and In Vogue. Yeah, my fave in NCT, he does these uh, LP things where he was on this show and he just spun some of his favorite records. The very first record he played was El DeBarge. I like it. I was like, wow, really? <laughs> that wow. was funny to me. And a lot of the stuff that he played was all Black music. There was only one song by like, I think a 70s artist. I can't think of what song it was, but everything else was, yeah, Black old school music, and I, except for uh, Frank Ocean. But yeah, I was like, wow. I guess that leads me to the question, like, what is the line for y'all? Both as fans, like going into a culture and for this culture who's creating media for, you know, a global audience, like what is the line between appreciation and appropriation? And appropriation. I guess I'm back to where I started. Cause like, for me again, I'm fine because I appreciate other cultures. I don't mind listening to the music. I don't mind, you know, watching the shows. But now if you catch me out in the street with a straight blonde, a straight black wig on and I'm talking in a certain manner or doing certain things, I've crossed the line. That's over the top and that's out of order. It's not appreciation at that point. And I feel the same for them. I feel like when you start putting 
cultures, because I'm not even just going to say black. I've seen them do others, Indians Mm -hmm. and, you know, other cultures. When you start putting on the costumes and the things and the trying to change up your accent, like, yeah, you're doing too much and you've gone too far. Yeah. God, I forget her name, but she is a Caucasian woman who was the singer for No Doubt. Oh, Gwen Stefani. Yes, Gwen Stefani. She thinks she's Japanese. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Exactly. Seriously? Oh, it's bad. Exactly. If you... She's a London Ollie. (laughs) I mean, maybe not as well. (laughs) It's up there. Wow. Because she is like the example for me of like something else. Don't be that. Like she is the litmus test for me. She's a canary in the mind. Uh Uh-oh, something's wrong. You're in the wrong direction. Pull back, pull (laughs) back. Because I feel that if you give credit, if you say, hey, this is my sound and these are my influences. Great. Because you are giving credit. You didn't create that sound. It's not like it sprung from you magically. You were influenced. But if you then turn around and it becomes this ugly thing, especially since sometimes it can be just so disrespectful. And more often than not, it's done for laughs. If you have to get that joke at the expense of Uh some other culture you've done it wrong. I mean, and I'm not talking about, you know, before somebody who's easily confused is confused again. I'm not talking about you have a comedic character who's just naturally funny and part of a show or something like that. I'm talking about like with Backstreet Backstreet Rookie, where Mm -hmm. they had a full on character who supposedly had dreads, dreadlocks, and he was supposed to be dirty and flies were coming from his head and he mm-hmm. was just so over the top. Like, no. He looked like a caveman. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they darkened his skin. And then on top of that, they had an African guy roll through his place of employment and be every stereotype, you know, every fun loving, over the top stereotype. That's excessive. All he was missing was some watermelon and chicken in the other hand. Mm-hmm. It was just super. So that's why I'm like, if you got to do all of that, if you're over the top, if the joke is based on coming for somebody else's culture, you got it wrong. And like with Gwen, she doesn't know who she is, even at her age. And so she steals from other places. I think it started early. I think she had like this whole Indian thing she was doing early on. And then she went full steam. She like took on the sound, the clothing, everything, everything. And she surrounded herself with young Japanese women to be kind of her sidekicks. For years, she did this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I thought this was like you doing some form of appreciation because maybe you were listening to particular music. You did an album. You would give credit and you keep it moving, you know, not. I'm going to like stay here and continue to fetishize these women. I was like, what the heck? So I think that's the line for me. Like, I don't know if some and I have had those kinds of conversations. No. But even with our podcast, even with what we do, I'm careful about that. Mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to see you and I'm trying to enjoy, but I'm not pretending like Heck no. I'm not trying to be so deep in it that it's like, oh, this is part of my identity. No, I know I'm a black woman who is ingesting and enjoying someone else's culture. And I'm going to mm-hmm. give respect for that, but I'm not going to pretend that like that is mine at all. I have to draw that line. I think it's really hard because people, I mean, listeners may not be fans of K-drama specifically. They may be fans of anime, what have you. I think it's really easy to get sucked in as someone who's been a fan, you know, of anime since, I mean, my dad watched anime. So like ever. Oh, okay. So you come by it genetically. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I I come by it very honest. Um, (laughs) But I think what I've seen time and time again is when people start getting into whatever it may be, there's something that's so exciting when it's a new culture. It's not the same as getting into Marvel, right? Like we're very familiar with the context in which that's created. And I think the newness, because it's new from the culture standpoint, the context standpoint, new types of stories People get overzealous and want to just go all in and think that it's okay to cross lines or they don't even notice that the lines are there. And I always implore people, if you're going to go all in, you need to learn about the context. Like you cannot move further, Mm. in my opinion, insofar as like asking questions like, can I wear a hanbo? Which you can. If you're visiting, they encourage you to wear it. I'm not saying it. Right. They encourage you to try it. So I'm not. It's maybe not the best example, but like if you're just sitting on your own wondering, oh, can I wear this? Like, go learn about it first. Go learn about the Thank culture. Thank you. Like, that's the Thank place you have you. to come from. If you're a real fan, in my opinion, of anything. You're going to want to dig in and learn about it. I agree totally. Exactly. And that goes on the other side, too. Like, you have K-pop artists who get into K-pop because, like, that's the... I don't want to say easiest. It's, they definitely don't have an easy time, but like that's the easiest way into the music industry. But like they do have a passion for like hip hop or R&B and they really want to explore that. So I encourage go see what it's about, how it originated, mm-hmm. what's the story behind it. And I think that can breathe an authenticity into what you're doing that people aren't going to question you. And I don't know that cultural appropriation and appreciation is a hard line. I think it's about intent a lot of the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I was watching a show. I can't remember what if it was Street Man Fighter, Street Man Fighter. And they had an artist from the U.S. who had come over. He's a producer here in America, but he's Korean. And they were talking about some form of dancing. And he had asked somebody, you know, um, yeah, so, you know, what do you think about that? Because this is kind of like the old school. He said something and the guy was kind of lost. And I'm going, see, problem. You should know the background. If this is what you're judging and if this is what you're doing, you should know the background. So he did. He broke it down for them about how the streets of New York and he, you know, explained the whole line of how that type of dancing came along with hip hop culture. And it just made me go, see, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for recognizing we're not just going to come over here and say this is what we're doing and not be mindful of how things came about. Like Mm -hmm. the digging in is important to me. And even as a fan, I get frustrated when I start talking to other fans and they say things and I'm just going, did you even read about their history? Did you find out how they got started? Like, how is it that you are, you've been over here for 20 years and I just joined in and you don't even realize they started by doing da-da-da-da? Yeah. 
that's my thing. Again, I will note that I'm a big history nerd. Like, I just love learning about history in general. Like, it was my favorite subject in school. So, you know, <laughs> uh, that's just kind of my thing. But I don't understand how people – you can be a casual fan. That's fine. If you, you can just want be. to turn on a TV show and watch it and then be done, that's fine. But if you're really trying to be in this fandom space, like, really engage with it, I don't know how you do that without looking at the history. And that's why I get upset when people say, oh, these are homogenous countries. Oh, well, they're – and infantilize them. I'm like, they have been through a lot. And I think mm-hmm. to infantilize them and take away the autonomy is dishonoring the history that they've lived through because they're people who've gone through things that we can't imagine. Not that, you know, America has its own history, but so does South Korea. So does, right. you know, people in Japan, especially like um, indigenous people in Japan. Like there are histories there that are harrowing and really speak to the strength of the people. And I think the intelligence of the people. Exactly. So I think the most respectful thing we could do is learn about that history and understand that they're fully realized people with fully realized culture. And and just because this is something like I think it gets skipped over kind of easily. They have an American base there in South oh, America yes. that's been there for many, 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 many years. Oh, we could get with lots and lots of, if you want. Right, I was about to say with lots and lots of different <laughs> cultures, because you even, as a matter of fact, didn't you do a whole, I don't want to say episode, but you did a uh, real, a I real did. about it, and someone else that I know, um, his name is One Mike Podcast. He does like history and things like that. He did one that was very similar, and I was like, "Wow, I wonder how many people realize if you stopped and looked at the concept of KFC." Korean fried right. chicken and how it really came about. I don't think people do. And even when you research it, talking about that reel, like I did a lot of research because I couldn't find the source. Everybody kept saying, oh, this Thanksgiving meal, da, 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 da. And like, there is no one source, but the, it seems like most likely what happened based on accounts. Like this is mm-hmm. most likely how it got introduced. But it's interesting to me that this history that is not that far back in our past cannot be substantiated because it was Black people. Like mm-hmm. that's even in Korea's own history, not to say like we played such a big role in Korea's history. I'm not right. trying to do that cultural imperialism. But what I'm saying is even where there is this interaction where Black people are, that history isn't told, which is so universal across the, the world because white supremacy mm-hmm. is America's biggest export. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What would you hope to see in the fandom as far as representation goes, maybe from the people who produce dramas, but also maybe from the fandom itself? I care less about the representation on screen and I care more about being seen off screen, like as fans. So Mm. I care about them really exploring, oh, it's not just like Americans. Okay, what types of Americans? Because Black folks are in everything, everywhere. We got a whole Black Twitter. I don't know why we, we may already have a whole Black Instagram. Like we have, we get involved in things. And I'm on... YouTube enough watching reaction videos to see that more and more Black people of all stripes are watching K-dramas. And so that is super hot for us. And I'm like, see us here, see what we're doing. So if you are going to represent us, realize that you, if you are going to represent us on screen, recognize that you need to be sensitive. But I'm okay with never seeing another Black face. And I mean that in every form. You mean like a Black person or Black, literal Black face? Both of them. <laughs> I, I mean, every, no version. I don't want to see. It's like I want to keep it as fun as it was 
when I first started watching. I don't mm. want to have an expectation and be disappointed. So just give me my show and don't do a Disney. That's all I ask. I think for myself personally, I'm okay with seeing us as long as it's done correctly. Again, we're not the, I can't think of the drama it may have been. It was Penthouse. Penthouse is also guilty mm-hmm. where you have the Black people who are the characters and they're the drug dealers or they're the ones with the guns holding somebody captive. Like, please, let's stop that. Let's, that's that's America. Let's leave that alone. That's not even y'all life. That's not your story. Stop telling that. So mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. No, I don't want to see that. But then I think about characters like, or not characters, actors like Jonathan. He's He is an actor who's in South Korea. He has a sister named Patricia. Both of them were up for awards because they are out there. They are doing things. They, you know, are making a name for themselves and they're in I haven't seen them in dramas but I know variety shows in which case you know about Sam right oh Sam O'Keary yes, yes. we could talk about that yeah and so like his situation and how he was blackballed because he spoke about things being out of order and not right so like I, I know there's like a finance sort, but I feel like it's worth the fight because it looks like the world they live in if you look at and I've not been to South Korea before anybody comes in that's not true i don't know but i am going to tell you based upon all of the tv watching i do they have shown me there are plenty of foreigners there and so if it's that kind of mix and that kind of meld yes why not make representation of that in your shows when you're showing things that are realistic and that are the case just keep it real that's all or let me just say this they can do it slowly okay yeah yeah there's no rush because like we watched startup like a few years ago and I think oh, um, Chris, I'm not sure what you're saying, but I was talking about how he had black art in his office. I was good with that. I was like, Ooh, oh, black people I are- was thinking Itawan class. Sorry. Go ahead. Right. OK, then we'll come back to yours. But like black art on the walls of black African women, true, I was true, like, true. I'll take it. I'll take it. And then I think there was some show. I don't know if it was Itawan where they had like an African woman who was like the head of the company. I was like, I'll take it. Like that was search WWW. Thank you. Just, Uh, just mm -hmm, a smidge, mm -hmm. just a smidge in the corner. Like you don't have to, please, please just walk on roll. If you're going to do something, a cameo, do not, they don't even have to have speaking lines. Keep it as simple as possible because I do not want you all to disappoint me. And then I have to like straight up put a drama down. So then how did you feel about Itawan class and Chris Lyons? That is Lyons? exactly what I was going to ask. What, how did y'all feel about Itawan class? For listeners who haven't seen it, there is a Black character in it. I mean, it's not the main storyline, but it does deal with the type of racism like a Black person living in Korea, specifically who is also Korean, mm-hmm. my face. So I'm asking you something else since based upon what you just said. What did, how did you feel about that character? So I was happy with the character. I think we even did a show about it. We did. We did. But the flip side of it and what they tried to do, which I appreciated because it was that type of show, right? They tried to have representation on a number of fronts. And so they big did. ups to them and respect. But wasn't he the one character who did not own a stake in that company when they like years later, they had grown the business and did all this stuff. And he was like running some of the restaurants. He was like managing, but he wasn't at the table with them when they were making decisions. See, I noticed that. I don't know if I paid attention to that at the end. Wow. I do not remember. I'm not saying it's not true. I have no recollection. Right. right. I remember it because I was like, oh, where is he? Like when they all got to the other side, oh, it's been five years or whatever the time jump was. And they were all sitting, making decisions about the company. He was every time they did. He was never there. Wow. He was never there. 
You're going to make me go back and watch now. <laughs> right, right. This could be our test, right? Come back yeah. as a follow-up and be like, you're hey. correct. That is a subtle. But so now, in this sense, though, that's a small start. I agree. I'm not saying it's right, but it's a small start. At least they're considered, because I mean, throughout the whole drama, and I think it took until the end for her to stop calling him a foreigner, even though he was, his character no. was South mm-hmm. Korean born. And it was a, he was a South Korean born biracial person. Like yeah. the real, he's an actor, but he's also truly South Korean born, speaks no English, Han Hyun-min, and mm-hmm. he's biracial. He's the one who was in that show, So Not Worth It. The show yeah, yep. that was So Not Worth It. Ooh, I shit. I draw. I put it down. Sorry. Uh, ma'am, <laughs> I watched it all, but good God almighty. And I think I watched it all because, again, it was a cultural representation and I was trying to see where they were going. But good Lord, it was a fight. That's why I was trying, but I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. I keep thinking like, well, should I go back to it? But uh, the review no, seems to I'm say help you know, no. No, leave that alone. <laughs> it was like trying to go back and watch like what? Saved by the Bell or something? Man, like, they ugh. had laugh tracks that just threw me off. Like it, it, was, it was terrible. That show was not what I thought it was going to be. It was kind of hard. But Han Hyun Min, I really like him. I follow him on Instagram. And that's what I mean when I say like, People go on and on about how it's a homogenous society, but how do you explain him? Like, he exists. He's a person. And he's not alone. And he's not alone. In fact, there's more than people really want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I personally would like to see, it's actually my secret wish. I'm trying to play it cool. Like, oh, it'd be cool to see. I just am obsessed with this idea of having a K-drama specifically surrounding a biracial person. And I know like it'd be so risky. You'd have to get a biracial person to write it. And we're nowhere near that in that country. But I would love to see it because I think it's way more of a common experience. I think it would do well. I think global citizens, but Koreans specifically are interested in this stuff. It's just that these these big, big companies... (laughs) And the world right. push. It's like the the big brother push of what we're going to see and what you're not going to see. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, you know, that's why I love technology, because I have hope that it will be um, the great equalizer when it comes to kind of getting around gatekeepers and companies mm. that underestimate fans and viewers. I always hope, OK, somebody is going to be the Issa Rae right? The next Issa Mm -hmm. Rae. And so maybe there will be somebody who's like, okay, let me go on and create this thing because I'm not seeing it. Like I saw an Australian biracial romance between a Korean guy and a Black woman. It's on YouTube. Oh yeah. That was good. Right. Was it love or something like that? Yes. Something like that. And the only way that happens is because someone decides to independently go on their own. So And tell the story. Right. I have a hope for that. I mean, when you mentioned a biracial lead, I thought to myself, oh, that's who I want as a lead for the American Knights version of Boys Over Flowers. I am never watching Boys Over Flowers again. After F4, that ruined me. The only exception is if America comes out with their own Boys Over Flowers adaptation, right? Mm -hmm. And in my head, she is always biracial. She is not just a white girl or a Black girl or even like some Mm -hmm. East Asian in some way. She's always biracial because I want her to represent America. Mm -hmm. So Jacques and them get busy. (laughs) (laughs) I also have a lot of hope that we might get there through either webtoons or web dramas. Web dramas are mm. doing a lot of creative stuff and webtoons, you know. Oh, I know, right? 
I saw one not too long ago and I was just like, oh, okay, I might have to check out some more web dramas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're doing real cool stuff. And the webtoons that K-dramas are now looking to to adapt, they also do really cool stuff. Now, will they pick up the more controversial ones? Maybe not, but maybe in time. Who's to say? And I think that's a, a quicker path to getting the representation that would be required in the writer's room to be able to tell a story like that. Yeah, yeah. I guess, okay, we're getting close to time, but I do have a couple more questions. Fun questions. The first (laughs) is, what advice would you give to a Black fan coming to dramas in general completely new? I do know we've talked about dragging our friends kicking and screaming, but, you know, we're (laughs) all three of us are online to some extent and have come across people who are like, I'm brand new here. And I feel like as a Black fan, there's more to keep in mind. (laughs) So do you have advice? I think... For me, because I'm all about an authentic experience, one of the first things, because a lot of the people who come over, one of the things they'll say is, oh, well, is it dubbed? If it's not dubbed, I can't watch it. I think you kill and lose a whole lot with Mm -hmm. that. You miss out on nuances. You miss out on cultural references. You miss out on learning about, because I think this is more than just, this is my personal opinion. (laughs) I think this is more than just, a fun story. You're coming to watch a fun story. You're learning. Mm -hmm. You're getting to learn about another culture. And so the same way, and this is kind of how I present it to people that I talk to, the same way we complain about the ways we are presented to the world with the way they, you know, put us in certain dramas or you look up and we're always the ones who are in jail or we're always the ones with the gun. If that's not how you want to be presented, look at it authentically and that way you learn about them a little differently than just what's given to you. So that's one of my first, you know, watch it without the dubbing. Mm -hmm. Read, see what they're saying. And Certain spaces, I think, do a better job. Like, Vicky does a superb, fantastic job of making sure you get references and understand why things Mm -hmm. are. Netflix is a beast of business, and they're just going to make sure you get, hey, here's what it says. And sometimes you're lost on... What the what that doesn't make sense. What does that it's mean? It's rough. So Netflix, I, and I know it's. I don't blame the translators. Netflix has very no, not, at all. not giving enough resources or time to these poor translators. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, I just kind of feel like that's one of the things to me. If you're coming over, be mindful. This is a whole nother culture. They don't do things the way we do. Keep all of those things in mind. Be it the music or the dramas. One, two, finding fandoms and groups that are like you, like finding people who are of the same mindset to help the experience. Because sometimes, depending on your groups that you're in, you might find people who are willing to tell you or willing to make things seem like, oh, that's okay. You know, you don't worry about mm-hmm. that. Or, oh, no, we did it. And you're like, yeah, but this seems off. This is not quite right. So sometimes I'll come back to some something else like, okay, let me ask you this. Is it me? Or, da-da-da-da. and then we'll talk it out and hash it out. And I'm like, I didn't think I was wrong because that just sounds terrible. And you shouldn't be doing this. And da-da-da-da. You know, so finding people who are like you to have those conversations when you cross those things that are kind of controversial or not always just as easily expressed and finding authentic Korean people to talk to Mm -hmm. because that matters as well. So those would be my three pieces of advice. Watch it without the dubbing. Find folks like you to commune with and meet some true Korean people and talk to them as well. Because they'll be quick to tell you, like, we're not like the K-dramas. The guys are not like K-drama leads. The girls are not like K-drama leads, please. 
And everything Song Ray said was brilliant. I didn't even think about those things. So I'm just going to like ditto that. But I'll say that if you are interested, find something in the genre that you're interested in. Don't just watch anything. Thank you. And then go, oh, I don't like this. No, if you're Mm. into crime dramas, when you watch television in your home country, then look for crime dramas, look for the appropriate, you know, genre. And that's something that I've had to learn trying to like get people hooked on K-dramas. Like you just can't mix and match. Oh, because I loved Extraordinary Attorney Woo, you're going to love it too. No, maybe they won't, you know. And also don't ride the wave just because it exists. Like if you're not really even into television, it's okay. You don't have to watch. (laughs) You don't have to watch any of it. Or if you know that you don't like killing and blood and violence and everybody under the sun watch Squid Game, doesn't mean you have to watch Squid Game. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, watch something that is comfortable for you because we've had folks who really want their opinion, really care about what they think about a particular show, for example, but they're not really into TV. So it's like, okay, there's no shame in in not jumping into the deep end and drowning in case dramas. <laughs> you know, you can start with Netflix. There's nothing wrong with Netflix initially because you may not have committed Vicky money because that's a monthly fee. Okay. Like they have free ones, but it is. Right. But any of the good ones, you're going to have to pay some money. Come on now. You might not be ready for Coco Wire to like really invest money into it. Don't invest. Look for free shows. There are plenty of older shows that you can watch. You know, catch it when you catch it. You don't have to be like, I have to watch it every day. You don't have to. It's all up to you. It's all entertainment. It's all for fun. It's all to like ease the way through life. It is not that serious. (laughs) I'm saying this with a whole podcast, right? It is not that serious. It isn't. It's supposed to be fun. That is also something to remember. Exactly. Because I think people, we were talking earlier about how fans will excuse things. I think on the other side, there is this other side of the spectrum where people are going to nitpick and shout about everything because that's what you do online. You just get, you're online to be angry. There are those people. Uh And to the point where I'm like, okay, but it's not that you're wrong. It's just that I'm trying to have fun. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a line. You got to find it for yourself. Because it's supposed to be fun and it doesn't need to be that serious. Of course, you know, egregious violations of like representation and stuff for sure. But, you know, if you don't personally like a K-drama or, you know, any drama, it's cool. Try a different genre or don't. It's fine. (laughs) Right. Right. None of it is fighting words. Like if I don't like voice over flowers, don't lose your mind over it. Just move on. It'll be all right. You can cringe like I did because I cringed when she said it, but moving on. (laughs) While there's people, listen, while there are people who cringe because I happen to like Boys Over Flowers and I recognize all of the problems and all of what they find wrong. Mm -hmm. I liked it. Moving on. Next. (laughs) Well, you know what? Okay, let's let's talk about it for two seconds because we can't help it. Okay. I don't have a problem with reverse harem romances. I read them and I enjoy watching them. I don't, it's like all the pieces are fine. But F4 in particular, coming out of Thailand was super brutal. (laughs) And I could not handle it. He raised his fist to her at one point. And I was like, you crossed the line. So like the Korean one was fine. The Japanese ones were fine. Uh, The Japanese one, I think there were a couple. There were a couple. Yeah. The Chinese one, okay. That one just- Pineapple head. F4 kind of messed me up a little bit. Yeah, pineapple head. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of messed me up a little bit. That made me go, made me see all the problems. Right. Way more. It was just way more stark. 
It was brutal on a whole other level. And I watched it all the way through, made it to the other side, held on to the end. And I just think, yeah, is bullying a worthy topic? Definitely. Mm -hmm. Do I like seeing a strong female lead who does not give up and holds her stance? Most definitely. There are many things to like about it. But Lord, never again will I watch at four. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my last question. It's a two-parter, actually. We said, you know, pick things in the genre you like. And truly, I will say to all my friends and family members who have been like, tell me what to watch. I do find it difficult because K-dramas, dramas in general, are not a genre. Just like American TV, it's got a wide Mm -hmm. range. So I can't tell you what you're going to like for sure. However, we're still going to do the fun question of if you had could recommend one drama, it doesn't have to be a K-drama, any drama to our listeners, what would it be and why? And then the second part is for me, I only watch K-dramas. For me, if you wanted to recommend any non-K-drama drama, what would it be? So because they're fresh for me and because I've seen the reactions of other people, I have two. If you're just looking for family friendly and something calm and fun to watch and harmless, Extraordinary Attorney Woo. Lots of people from lots of walks have enjoyed Extraordinary Attorney Woo. And so that's the first one. The other one is purely for adults. And it's because I've also seen that revenge is a common emotion for lots of people across different walks of life. And that's why I'm suggesting The Glory. Mm. Or you can try My Name, but I prefer The Glory a smidge more than My Name. And it's because I've seen so many people across different walks of life, different races, everything. They've all enjoyed The Glory. Go ahead, Sangre. All right. So for me, the general K-drama wreck and my why is going to be, this is an old school at this point. <laughs> it is search www. Okay. W. And the reason why is, again, kind of like what something else said, I like strong female leads. I like that these were, it was a story about three women and they were all very different in how they function and what they dealt with. But I just like the, the way that they interacted and how by the end they had formed the sisterhood. And the sisterhood was based upon them overcoming different struggles that they had to go through. I like that the drama was semi kind of open to different types of lifestyles and beings and not just your traditional, what we usually see in a drama. And uh, it was fun. Plus I fell in love with Sam Kim there. That's when I first started going, Oh, the music sometimes. Oh, is cool. Sam Kim. So- Do you want to talk about Sam Kim? Dang. <laughs> We're at the end of the episode, but I could have, I love Sam Kim so much. <laughs> Well, I met him there in that. There he did a song for the OST and oof, I fell in love. Your little OST prince. <laughs> yes. So that would be my general wreck. My wreck personally to you is I'm thinking there's this Japanese drama, but the sad part is I'm looking it up while we're talking. I watched it not too long ago. And I even think I might have done a podcast about it, if I'm not mistaken. I think I talked to something else about it. But finding it has been my problem. It was the one where something else, she works in the office and she bashes people, bashes when she gets upset, she's getting ready to bash them. Oh, age harassment. Thank you. Age harassment. And it is Japanese. I know for a fact it was on Vicky, but in my mind, I'm going, I saw some Vicky dramas being popping up on Netflix, so it might be on Netflix. Well, I got that Vicky subscription, so <laughs> we, oh, cool, we all cool, good. Cool. Okay. 
Okay, I've written that down. I'm serious about these recommendations because I think it's time. I have some on my watch list, like some Chinese dramas and maybe a couple of Japanese dramas. But again, I just never get to them. And I'm like, you know what? This is my year. This is the year. Yeah. For this one, I really just liked it because she came into an office workplace that was very sexist. They did things a specific way, how, you know, the women had to dress, how they had to deal with stuff. And she was cute, bubbly, and people liked her because she was cute and bubbly. And, you know, the guys would come on and just say stuff. And so after a while, I think she had got her feel. And her thing was when she got ready to check somebody about their behavior or what they were doing or how they were. They even talked about ageism. They talked about sexism. Mm -hmm. They talked about where you have your leaders who are abusing their power in so many words. She would bang her fists and then she would tell them off. (laughs) Now, she wrapped it up really nicely, but she would tell them off. She would get them told about what they were doing wrong. And I just loved it because I was like, for it to be an older J drama, how she handled business back then. I love it. I'm excited to watch it. (laughs) Okay. So let me say this um, before, let me preface my recommendations by saying this. Initially, yes, K dramas grab at you right, (laughs) right away. And so you feel like that's where you veer off to because there's so many of them. Mm -hmm. But eventually, please find your way to more Japanese and Chinese because, and and other in general, because there's so much good television out there and you get more culture, different culture. Like when you see how Japanese people kind of respond to things, in some ways, Japanese talk the way Nigerians talk, very guttural, very fast. And it's fun to watch. It's great for comedy and it's fun to watch. So I would say if you're looking Japanese, the full-time wife, Escapist, that's on Vicky because it was just cute. And the husband was crazy and (laughs) they had cartoons and it was just super cute. Chinese, and I like this show a smidge more than the full-time wife Escapist, but the Chinese drama, Meet Yourself, because it is so meditative. There's a lot of episodes, but it moves at a nice pace. It's a slow burn romance, basically about a woman who loses a friend to illness and she basically quits her job where she'd been overworked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she moves to this village and it's only supposed to be a vacation, right? It's only supposed to be for a couple of months while she figures things out. And slowly but surely, she gets involved in the village and village life. And it's like the kind of drama I watched every day. And it just calmed me. I didn't have to watch. I didn't have to binge watch. I just caught one new episode every day. And I caught it on YouTube and it was restful. And I think maybe it's on Vicky also now. So if you have a chance to catch Meet Yourself, it is well worth it. She's not crazy or silly. I hate those kinds of female leads. She's capable. She's smart. She's thoughtful. And the male love interest is goofy a little bit, but he's warm hearted. The villagers are great. Give it a try. I'm excited. I am going to give them a try. The problem is people are coming to this podcast like, yay, there's a new podcast, but there's two things happening in my life. One, at the time that this is airing, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom will have freshly been out. So I will be busy with that. And I'm like, back on my (laughs) drama game. So like, will there be a podcast? I do worry about myself a little bit. Yeah, I'm super excited about this game. It looks so, 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 so good. Honestly, I had a slew of questions we didn't even get to because the conversation was just so good. 
I enjoyed this. I did as well. And I'm happy to come back some other time. I would love to have y'all back for sure. We'll we'll have to do it because truly there were so many questions. Maybe what we could do is I will watch these dramas and become more worldly in the dramas that I watched instead of just K-dramas. And we can have y'all back to talk about other dramas and other tropes or something like that. (laughs) But thanks, Sangre, and something else so much for coming on. It was truly a blast. We appreciate the invite. Oh, for sure. Where can the good folks find you? You can catch us on every sort of social media that's out there. But you can especially get us by going to our website, blackgirlsoul.com. Soul is spelled S-E-O-U-L. And you will always find some Ray on social media ready to talk to you about all the dramas that she's watching. Oh, yeah. We have not just a blog, not just a podcast. We do have a store, too. Even if you just go to the first page of BlackGirlSoul.com, you'll be able to see our latest blog entries, our latest podcast episode, and you'll be able to click on a link to our store. All right. And thank you all so much for listening. If you made it this far, I want to know what your favorite drama is. It doesn't have to be a K-drama. Who knows? Maybe I'll get more recommendations for C-dramas, J-dramas, you name it. Um, You can let me know at CultureXPodcast on Twitter or Instagram. And until next time, keep it chill and keep it nerdy. Bye!